this is Talk for Freedom, and I'm Cece. And I'm Chuck. And today's segment is going to be about human trafficking and large events. Um, so far, we have done two other segments for the month of February, um, one of them being human trafficking and people with disabilities, and human trafficking and misconceptions about human trafficking. Um, so we are so grateful that you've tuned in to listen to our podcast so far. Um, we encourage you to listen to all of them. And we'd appreciate it if you spread the word, share them on our social media, on your social media sites, um, or tell your friends about them. It's it's really our heart. Chuck and I really want to just educate you and point you in the right direction. If there are some things that maybe you have heard about or are experiencing yourself, we we just want to educate you. We want to let you know what information is out there that you can take advantage of. Um, but we're also making ourselves available and letting you know, you know, that we are here to answer your questions. Um, so if there is any feedback or any questions that you've had on any of the segments, feel free to reach out to us. Um, we've got several ways you can do that. You can do that on all our social media pages. You can look at our websites and email us from there um, and send us your questions directly. And um, even on our social media pages, we've got our own personal pages on there that you can pop in and make a comment or, or ask, ask us a question on there as well. Um, but we've got a full topic today, so we definitely want to jump right into it. Um, again, it's human trafficking and large events. So when you think of large events, Chuck, what are you thinking of? Well, it's Super Bowl season right now. I'm thinking about football. Yeah, there you go. You know, we think about football, what do we think about? We think about tailgating, we think about eating things we probably shouldn't have, and, you know, drinking probably a little bit more than we probably should drink, and just really having a good time with it. I mean, some people, it's a good time to hang out with friends and family, but it's also a time period when there's a lot of disposable income involved with major events. There's people are going out there to spend money. I mean, come on, you're going to spend some money, right? Especially if you're going to the game. There's been a lot of money. Right. I can't afford to, but there are people like that. <laughs> and there's the thing is about traffickers is that these people are predatory. They are looking to access that disposable income. These guys, I mean, a lot of them have psychopathic tendencies. They're looking to try to access your money no matter what. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll try to exploit somebody, whether a major event is in town or not. But when major events come into town... Oh, boy, that's an opportunity to try to exploit some of that disposable income. I mean, because, hey, I mean, you know, you got a bunch of guys. They went to the game. Their wives aren't around. They partied. They had a good, some drinks. Maybe their team won, and they're really happy. Oh, I have an opportunity to talk to a pretty girl. I have an opportunity to do some things maybe with this pretty girl that my wife won't do. Oh, and it's only going to cost me $500? Well, I just spent 1000 on something for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I, I can tell you that one of the, that's probably going to shock a lot of our viewers because I know that was one of the most shocking things I heard. You know, when you think about the Super Bowl, it's fun, it's family, you, you get to watch it at home or you get to go to the game and, you know, it's friends, it's good time, it's eating, like you said, it's drinking and not, you know, not really worried about, oh, I have to go to work on Monday. It's, it's just having a great time. But but the bad thing um, that we don't even know about is that there's a whole other world behind what actually happens um, with victims of human trafficking and Super Bowl or other large events. I mean, even here locally, we have events like the rodeo, fiesta. Um, this year, actually, San Antonio is hosting the Final Four, um, which I'm not sure that everyone knows, but 
it's a it's a huge deal. There's, it, yeah, it's it's a great deal. The city's doing all kinds of things around the Final Four, which is spectacular. I'm so glad that San Antonio's going to be hosting that event. And you know, San Antonio is a beautiful city to visit. We have lots of sites to see. You want to talk about eating great food? It's San Antonio's the place to go. But unfortunately, whenever these major events come into town, there's also a dark side to things. And that dark side is a traffickers may necessarily not live as gypsies moving from one major event to the other. However, they do communicate with each other and they will send their potential victims into an area where there is disposable income coming in, something like the Final Four, to work that and to get access to that money. So that means the amount of ads that are going to be available online are going to go up and that these hotel room spaces are going to be utilized for potentially sexual slavery that's going on. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, people kind of don't understand that even in the human trafficking side, right, there's um, pimps and johns. And so there's like, there's actually like hierarchy and ranks and there's a whole system just like we have with our military and with our law enforcement. Um, they have partnerships too, just mm -hmm. like we do to partner against what they're doing. They have all those friendships and connections and, you know, you stay away from some and you, you toward, you tend to go, go towards others, just like friends would, or, or just us. And they have a whole network. I mean, so you can have a trafficker, a pimp, whatever you want to call it. And that individual has his buddies that he works with. He may have that guy that he could kind of his mentor. They work with him and showed him the ropes of the streets. And that's an individual that he then answers to while he's trying to get his game going on on their streets. There's also a whole system he creates within his own program of what he calls his stable, his program of victims, until eventually he has at least one bottom. And what that bottom is, is that's his most trusted victim, usually the one he's had around the longest, that he's manipulated for the longest. That victim's trauma bonded to him so severely that that victim is almost in a codependent relationship. They're, they're attached in some way. And that victim at the bottom will then begin to set up these dates and manage his entire system for him so that he doesn't have to. And he can interact into getting people into these major events. It becomes a business structure. It becomes an operational model. And these guys are entrepreneurs. They're very creative. But again, they can also be very psychopathic too in the way that they operate because they really don't care about their commodity which is human lives that they're trading back and forth. And when you have a major event where alcohol is going on and people are having a good time, whether it's Mardi Gras or Fiesta or Final Four, even the rodeo season coming to town, these guys are going to try to access that availability of disposable income. There's a large group of people coming into an area. There's lots of money going back and forth. That's what their final concern is, always over money. And a lot of times you'll see these tattoos they have, you know, everything over money. You know, and that's one of the things that they're trying to get into. But not all events that we have that go on in areas are events that are fun events. Right. Yeah. Not, not all events are major, you know, celebrations. Some major events that we deal with are disasters that occur in locations. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there might be some questions as to what we're talking about right so we're thinking like recently here we had hurricane harvey come through um houston and some other uh, cities near the louisiana border and things like that um i know that it's really hard for someone to imagine that 
trafficking would occur or that it would even rise during those times. But Chuck, tell us a little bit about your experience in, in what you've seen happen during these times. So when Hurricane Harvey came in to the Texas coast and ravaged areas like Port Arthur and Victoria and whole communities of, of, of Texas, massive amount of peoples were displaced. Mm -hmm. They had to have somewhere to go for safety. So of course our resources, our federal, state, and local resources were activated to where we begin to try to find housing for these people, sheltering processes, food, shelter, clothing, the basics. Believe it or not, that creates an opportunity for traffickers because you have a higher amount of vulnerable, desperate people being dislocated. Right. And these traffickers want to access them because those are potential victims for their cases. Oh, you have nowhere to go? You lost everything you need to feed your kids? Well, I have an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have nowhere to go and all, all the hotel rooms have been taken up now because people have been displaced? Well, you can stay at my room, but you got to do a little sugar on the side. Mm -hmm. This is a way for them to access victims. It's also for them the way to, to actually exploit, using exploitation techniques to exploit those responding resources. And when I talk about exploiting them, we actually had scenarios here in Texas where traffickers were going in, getting the vouchers for the hotel rooms as victims, and then using those to stage their trafficking operations out of. So they were utilizing the current existing responding resources to exploit those to make more profit. Because remember, these guys, they spent a lot of money on the upfront to try to entice someone and trick someone. Mm -hmm. But once they've got you and they're victimizing you, you may have three or four girls that are splitting a happy meal once a day, and that's how they're fed. Yeah. That is just, it's heartbreaking, honestly. I mean, you think about these people that have already suffered a huge deal of loss. Um, sometimes their homes entirely gone um, and sometimes missing family members that they may not find for a very long time. And, and then just having that burden of worrying, are they even alive? Because there's no communication because everything's washed out. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and for these um, predators to actually go and do what they do and, you know, just target these vulnerable people is just heartbreaking. And see who they're targeting for, for the resources there, believe it or not, as responders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you, you have a disaster that goes on, obviously resources are sent into those areas. You have your first responders that go in and then followed behind that, you have your reconstruction responders that come in. Well, I can tell you that one of the things they're trying to access is all that federal money that's coming in. This is, again, disposable income in their eyes because right. you've got massive amounts of federal and state money going into an area. It's paying people to do the labor to do reconstruction. It's paying people to do labor to help rescue and recover. And they're trying to access that money. And I, I'm, I'm, let's be frank. Right. I talked to a lot of sex workers who are actually trafficking victims, but they don't identify such they identify as stress workers. And they'll say, my clients are police officers, firefighters, my clients are pastors, my clients are doctors, my clients are politicians, they're bankers. You know, these are people that we would normally consider safe. Mm -hmm. And the most recent studies that are out there says the average sex buyer in the United States is a middle-aged, professional, college-educated male. So these are doctors, lawyers, police officers, firefighters, yeah. the average guy, businessmen. When these 
individuals are coming into an area to help respond, rescue and respond and recover, again, there's money coming into that area. These predators have now got this massive amount of vulnerable, displaced persons. And then you've got this money coming in and new people coming in that don't necessarily have the normal restrictions they would back home. Let's put it frankly. Their wives aren't there. Mm -hmm. Their kids aren't there. Their neighbors aren't there. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of stress. They want to release some stress. And then we have what we call man camps. And man camps, we've seen them before. These whole areas that are set up with all these responders, the majority of which are male. There's not a lot of females around. There's not a lot of boundaries because of the fact that it's all chaotic. And again, their families aren't there. They want to blow off a little bit of steam. They got a hotel room. They want to blow off some steam. And then these individuals are going to cater to that. And they've got a whole new batch of who now displaced persons who they can victimize. They can say, hey, you can go to this guy's hotel room, give him a little bit of sugar, get the money from him, and then I'll give you a place to stay. I'll help feed your kid. I'll help help you get your back on your feet. This is predatory behavior. Right. They're not actually going to do all that, but they're using that as predatory behavior to exploit these man camps, to exploit these these first responders, to exploit those reconstruction responders, because this is an opportunity for them. These guys don't care. So with this created need of more vulnerable persons, how can we fight that? How do you fight that? Education. Education is exactly it. Yeah. We need to educate our shelter workers. You need to educate the first responders. People need to understand is that this is these opportunities, these disasters, this is going to be something that's going to be trying to be exploited by traffickers. And if we identify them, think about if all these volunteers that showed up at these shelters, the emergency shelters, were trained in basic things like red flags. Right. If they had, had some type of training on that, if we're there to recognize the signs, maybe they can maybe identify someone who's trying to exploit people in that shelter. If they had had some kind of basic listings, I mean, we're talking like a, a 30 minute, this this can possibly happen. Here's are some of the signs, here's some of the behaviors, you know, where our volunteer groups were able to come in like A21 and say, this is what you, you can possibly see. A lot of that, I mean, a lot of that gets shunned because they're thinking, well, you're not here to give out food, shelter, water, but that information is just as just as necessary because of the fact you can help keep someone from being exploited. Right. Let's get that information out there so these people are trained so they know what's going on. These guys going into man camps, these guys are not predators. These first responders, these are people with great big giant hearts that are going in to help reconstruction. But again, they don't have their normal social bounds going on and they've got a lot of stress and pressure and they have some disposable income. I mean, you know, I did some work where I went in and helped uh, identify damage and help people with during the recent disasters. Now, I didn't get involved with trafficking, but I was able to see indicators as I was out there, which I brought up. Right. These individuals are not predators. If they were to be educated that this person that they're offering to you is not the college student trying to pay their way through school, and they're not this girl that's made this, you know, liberated choice to sell herself that you're actually talking to. This is actually someone who's being exploited and being manipulated. Yeah. They were made aware of that. Much more different reaction. Sure. And it can change attitudes, change hearts and minds. 
Right. And so the difference between, you know, these disasters is they're not planned. They're not, you don't, you never plan that your home's going to be taken out by a hurricane or a tornado or something like that, or, or even a terrorist attack or anything of that nature. But these predators see those as opportunities. Unfortunately, they don't think like we do, right? We, we think of going out there and helping as soon as we can. What can, how can we help, you know? And, um, these predators see that as an opportunity to exploit others, unfortunately. And now, you know, this is good information even for your common person, even if you never work as a first responder or anything. Um, but you never know when you'll be in a situation that you're caught in a natural disaster this way. And if you see something like this going on around you, if you hear people coming out and offering you a place to stay, you know, think about what it's going to cost you, what, what it exactly is involved. Um, are you willing to put yourself in someone else's hands at, at risk of you don't even know what you're going to have to do for that? But so this is why Chuck and I are constantly saying education is key. It, you know, if you know uh, some of these things to look for, I know you're going to be in a stressful situation if you're ever in one like that, but something might stick in your mind and your heart that comes up and says, this just doesn't feel right. It sounds too good to be true, and it probably is. And that's true. Is education is education is not something that's going to, you're going to be able to do in a natural disaster. Education is not something you're going to want to be able to do during a you know a fun event or you know a major event that's going on like the you know, rodeo. This is something that you arm yourself with ahead of time. Mm -hmm. When I was in the military, it was always like we're going to fight like how we train. So we trained ahead of time how we were going to fight in peace scenarios. In peacetime, we trained for war right. so that we were able to be prepared for what was coming on. When it comes to education, when I was in law enforcement, we often drilled on all possible scenarios and, and things that might possibly happen. So we knew how to react when it happened. That's what education is about. You get educated now so that you're able to identify what's going on or identify predatory behavior ahead of time. It helps keep you protected. It helps keep the people around you protected, the people that you love. That's why it's so important for these major events. The other thing is, is that because you're listening to this, you're listening to these, these podcasts, your eyes are beginning to become open. Mm -hmm. I know several of you are probably becoming very angry, very upset. Some of you may be disbelieving that this is, this is happening here in your backyard. That's a good reaction. Those are reactions that says you're beginning to process and grieve what's going on. But when you are finally spurred into action, one of the first things I ask you to do is get educated. Get educated so that you're aware of what's going on out there. And then once you make that step for education, identify what your skill sets are. Identify what your passions are. Because you may have passions that are very different than my passions, very different than CeCe's passions. But it doesn't mean your passions are any less than either one of ours. It doesn't mean your passion isn't something that being cannot be incorporated into fighting this fight against human trafficking. Perfect example of this, um, and this goes directly in line with people needing resources. Have you ever heard of SA Threads? Yes. Okay. Are you familiar with what they do? Vaguely. Okay. Well, Kathy is, to me, a saint, and she helped start SA Threads. And one of the things that they do is, is that she decided that she wanted to help people that were in need, whether they were in trafficking scenarios or foster youth or just homelessness or maybe in need. And she just saw this need that needed to be met. 
So what she did was, is that she said, I want to have a provide them with the basics, toiletries and clothing, mm -hmm. simple stuff. Right. Maybe a lot of us don't even think about those things, but I want you to think about if you're a human trafficking victim and you're coming out of that, you're needing resources, you need something to put on. Right. You need something to be able to take the bathroom. And you know, you don't want you don't want to be handed, you know, the bar of soap and and the, you know, the scrubs from the hospital or be told that you this is your next outfit and way to clean yourself. I mean, you want nice things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what Kathy did is, is she got a hold of products that people would want. Mm -hmm. And she made a little boutique. And organizations make appointments with her and they bring in the homeless, they bring in foster youth, they bring in displaced persons that just need basic things. And she provides them with a boutique experience where they get to try on clothes and pick clothing and they get new underwear and new socks. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful when she does this. And and again, she's meeting the need. She's educated about what's going on out there. She's addressing it based upon her passions and she's able to meet a need, a very beautiful need. Right simply by doing what's in the passions of her heart. That's where I'm asking people to join in the fight. Once you get educated, once you get motivated, once you get motivated because you've grieved the loss of the idea that you're safe and secure, find out what your passions are and get engaged. Organizations like 821, you can go to your website, which is? 821freedomchasers.org. And you can read up on what A21 does. I mean, maybe you have a passion for educating people and getting the word out about what's going on as far as trafficking. That might be your passion. You can go to my website, chuckpaulllc.com. I have a list of resources on there. You click on the resources tab and it talks about the various different organizations that are in this area and nationally. Click on those links. Find out who they are. Maybe their passions are along the lines of what's in your heart. Now, if you don't find something out there, I can tell people, I can tell you that there are people out there that are thinking like you. There are people out there with the same passions as you. And to borrow a phrase from my pastor, I'm going to tell you to go find your flock. That's right. You know what that means? Yeah. Find your flock. Go with like-minded people. Right. Do the thing that you have in common. Do the thing that you have in common. There are people out there that maybe have the same passions as you. Go to those like-minded people and get involved, get engaged. There is room for everyone right. to get involved. And if there is not an organization out there that um, fits your need, then we can help you <laughs> get involved and become connected. Um, Chuck and our organization are both members of ACAT, which is Alamo Area Co Coalition Against Traffic Trafficking. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so we've got so many resources out there that are part of ACAT who all come together and fight human trafficking uh, in San Antonio. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention is if, if we've been talking to um, maybe to you all and you volunteer with an organization like the Red Cross or organizations that are going out there as first responders and you'd like to get educated, um, feel free to come out and ask Chuck, ask myself how you could do that. Maybe schedule some training, maybe go out there and purchase red flags and do it as a group or individually in your own home. Maybe get yourself educated first and then go out there and uh, spread awareness to your group. There are so many ways that we can help you um, get educated. And like Chuck said, you may not be doing, you know, first responding right now, but you want to get yourself educated 
before you're actually out there doing that um, so that you go prepared. You definitely don't want to put yourself in a stressful, more stressful situation and end up, you know, doing something um, that maybe you wouldn't have done if you weren't so, so stressed out. So, um, Chuck, do you have anything else to add to that? Yes. Once you are educated, the advantage is, is that you'll also know how to respond appropriately. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people, again, like we've talked about before, people want to respond in a way where they feel like they're going to do the Liam Neeson thing. They're going to kick in the door. They're going to drag the person out of the bad situation and take out the bad guy. And that's fantasy. That's not reality. That's not true. The truth is you have to know how to find resources, which means things like call the police. Mm -hmm. Tell the police what's going on. Report to the information that you see. How to call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. 233733 for those that are text minded, you can text 233733, which is B3. Information there. Once you learn how to appropriately respond, you become an asset out there in the community where we've created many more eyes and ears and mouths. So, again, eyes to see, ears to hear, mouths to speak, because a lot of the times the victims cannot speak for themselves. And you have to be that person to stand in the gap for them. If not you, who? Right. If not this time, when? Right. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Chuck. And so this will wrap up our February uh, segments of Talk for Freedom with Chuck and Cece. We've gone over human trafficking and large events today, and we've gone over human trafficking and people with disabilities, and we've gone over uh, human trafficking misconceptions that are out there. We encourage you to listen to all of them. We've had three others in the month of January as well. And again, if you have any questions, um, anything that you'd like us to answer for you, please feel free to uh, send us a message on our social media channels or our websites. And um, if you want to get a hold of us to come out and train your group or teach your family, please let us know. We would love the opportunity to, to serve you. And share, share, share. Please share these podcasts. Please get post these podcasts. Please share it with everyone because we want this information to get out there so that people are armed with the resources that they need to help protect themselves and their loved ones. Thanks. <laughs>